0: Alrighty, everybody, welcome back. We've got the second episode of Monday Madness for the year of 2021. Today, Monday the 11th, and it looks like things are going well. I mean, I know a lot of you have kids or are young people getting back into school. Looks like things are going pretty good there. I mean, Colorado, I think we even just got lifted to orange status for COVID. So things are looking to get better around here too. Restaurants with increased capacity, hopefully stores with enough customers to support their businesses because I know this has been a hard year so 2021 so far I'm liking it but let's move forward I know you didn't care about my reviews of each year as it occurs you're here for that news so first of course we've got to start with the statistics that we visit every week first things first I'd love to open up talking about the price today because we are sitting at 52 dollars a barrel at the time of writing Of course, we saw the Monday morning plunge, which things were a little bit above 53 at the end of Friday right before the crash. But don't let that distract you from the fact that oil hasn't been this profitable since February of last year as we had just started to recover from that price war slump. I definitely think domestic issues in the states revolving around the election are starting to factor into this price, especially as Biden's swearing date comes nearer and nearer. If he really does plan to follow through with the banning of new drilling on federal land, amongst other proposed policies, it will just make American oil that much more scarce. What comes with scarcity? Premiums, baby. Hopefully pricing trends in 2021 are opposite of what they were last year and shoot up through Q1 and remain high for the entirety of the year. Either way, I'm along for the ride and we hope you are too. Join Rare Petro as we continue to learn throughout this year. I mean, we didn't stop when things got bad, and we sure won't stop as things get good, so subscribe to keep up to date on all that wonderful content we put out to make you more knowledgeable and marketable. But enough of that, spiel. we gotta get into the rig count. Now, after listening to what I just had to say about WTI, you might think, well shucks, certainly that means an increase in drilling activity as these prices make certain regions much more profitable to operate in. Well, to that I would say, well done, and you are correct. Even though we are only just barely into this $50 territory, the U.S. saw an increase of nine rigs last week. Now, it comes as no surprise that the Permian alone saw a four-rig increase, but the Marcellus did the same. That means a one-week increase of 15% for that gas giant. I see the Marcellus continuing to be one of the largest players as we move into a new age of American energy, especially if we get back to producing excess gas that we can export, so I'm very excited to see that the Permian isn't catching the entirety of the spotlight. Also, I know I mentioned a huge Canadian rig count plummet a few weeks ago, so I'd like to quickly mention that they experienced a doubling of rigs with this past week, bringing their count from 59 to 117, so congratulations to our brothers and sisters in energy up north. Lastly, the inventories. I don't know how it is for you listening to this podcast, but I remain on the edge of my seat as I research for this script every time I write these things. So far, we've seen stellar prices and rig count, so, fingers crossed that things go well for inventories. First, you know that we have to at least mention the API report to give you more than one data point to mull over. The report came out on January the 5th, and it reported a 1.6 million barrels rawdown, which was just over what was predicted. Now, for the big dog, the EIA, they released a report a day later on the 6th that reported. Drumroll, please. 8 million barrels rawdown. Perhaps you think I'm overreacting, but this number is rather significant to me for two purely statistical reasons. Number one, the EIA hadn't reported a drawdown like that since November 4th of last year. And then if we go back even further, the next equivalent in magnitude is not observed until the start of September. Two-month highs are definitely something to be appreciated. The second reason I'm stoked about this week's numbers is for something that I will dub the December Deficit. You know just how much we like alliteration on this podcast. So the first two weeks of December showed builds just shy of 16 million barrels. Now, that was a tough gut punch to weather for the end of the year. Fortunately, the second half of December and the first half of January have more than made up for that build, as it totals in the neighborhood of 17 million in drawdowns. I know I framed it in a sort of arbitrary timeline, but either way... 2021 is off to a fantastic start considering all of these statistics, and let's hope I can come back next week with similar results. Now, I've probably spent more time than necessary on these stats, so let's switch things up and get into our stories for the day. I'd like to kick things off with a Forbes article that was published just this morning, the 11th, titled, Fracking the Virus. Yeah, the title certainly leaves a little bit to be desired, but hey, at least they spelled it with a K. The article highlights the fact that while Americans have lost access to things that they originally took for granted, they never really lost their energy. I suppose this article was written to be read by people who didn't experience the California wildfires and shortages this past year, but jokes aside, the article's mostly correct. While it does sound poetic and heroic, it goes back to market fundamentals. Huge drop in demand left us with an oversupply of many petroleum products. Thankfully. That meant the homes were heated and companies pivoted to making many high-demand single-use items that do require petroleum in some capacity. The article continues on to mention vaccines, where hydrocarbons are likely going to play a pivotal role in the global distribution. Regardless of whether it's delivered by air, land, or sea, the Moderna vaccine needs to be stored in a refrigerator just above freezing, really. The Pfizer vaccine, however, needs to be stored in temperatures no higher than negative 76 degrees Fahrenheit. While it's possible that companies will make use of renewable energy in transportation and refrigeration, I'd wager they have many more important things to worry about and will likely make use of the widely available and energy-dense hydrocarbons that we've accumulated in this past year. The article continues and says that the oil and gas industry almost never gets talked about positively, and that maybe that's a good thing. While a lot of vilification centers around EMP where resource extraction has earned a really bad reputation, the public only mentions oil and gas when they need it. As the article says, quote, American consumers should be very happy they've hardly had to think about oil, natural gas, and their related plants, factories, and supply chains at all. Because if you were talking about it in that context, that would mean that you've been doing without it, and that is one deprivation that Americans have not had to bear. What do you think? Should we be happy that the deeds of the industry go unspoken, or should we even further highlight the importance of this valuable resource in hopes that it sways the minds of the opposition? Please, Leave your answers in the comments of this podcast, shoot me, Tavis Killian, or the company a post or a message on LinkedIn, or contact me directly at podcast at rarepetro.com. I'd love to hear from you guys, and mention your answers in our episode next week. But that's the end of that article. Next up, our newest merger. I love to see willful mergers that happen in even good times, but nothing is quite as bleak as a company having little other choice than to live in the shadow of another. Unfortunately, this seems like one of those willful ones, as those from both parties are calling it a merger of equals. The companies in question are Oklahoma-based Devon Energy and Tulsa-based WPX. This was an all-stock deal that left WPX shareholders with about half a share of Devon common stock for every WPX common stock that they owned. The deal was approved right before ringing in the new year and was completed at the end of last week on January the 7th. Dave Hager, Devon Executive Board Chairman, explained the motive behind this deal, stating, quote, This transformational merger enhances the scale of our operation, builds a dominant position in the Delaware Basin, and accelerates our cash return business model that prioritizes free cash flow generation and the return of capital to our shareholders, end quote. Almost seems like the most polite way of both companies saying, this town ain't big enough for the two of us either way, this establishes a huge company in that area who is going to take a significant piece of that Delaware pie like Mr. Hager had mentioned. Additionally, this should reduce Devon's exposure in any federal onshore-related bans, as they do have operations in the Anadarko, Powder River, Williston, and Eagleford, leaving lots of potential development opportunities in danger of being banned. Either way, I'm very excited to see a big new Oklahoma-based company, and I would also like to highlight how the deal was finished in only three months. Talk about efficiency! Lastly, I'd like to talk about the cold front that swept across Spain. While it was fun at first, Saturday yielded 7 to 8 inches of snow, which is the most Madrid has seen since 1971. The biggest problems associated with this weather oddity, of course, center around infrastructure. Buildings were not designed to bear snow loads like these, so people are being relocated to shopping malls or other businesses so that they may sleep safely. Vehicles are not equipped to travel through terrains with this much snow, so supply chains in the city have been completely demolished. One of the largest concerns, of course, is heating. Temperatures in Madrid are hovering just above the coldest recorded temperature of about 13 degrees back in 1945 and rarely breaking above freezing. This means every home and business is utilizing more and more natural gas to heat each building, pushing the natural gas price in that area to a record $18.54 per mm MMBTU. That is over three times the average price of Spanish gas throughout the year of 2020. While that change may not be huge, Consider the short amount of time it took to see this price change. Oil and gas commodity prices are incredibly volatile and can change at any given moment. To learn a little bit more about that in the context of the United States, be sure to go to rarepetro.com to read Kevin's periodical over the end-of-year review about natural gas price predictions. While you're over there, you might as well stay because that is all we've got for the end of this episode. As always, my name is Tavis Killian here with Rare Petro, and we're hoping to make a whole bunch of content that is valuable and beneficial to you. So you can find all of our digital content, both auditory or written periodical on RedPetro.com. Learn a thing or two, and hey, 2021's starting off pretty good. Let's hope it continues. So again, thanks for joining us, and until we see you next time, take care, everybody.